Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is the story, story So Farscape. Farscape. We're back on, uh, on Farscape after having taken a greatest hiatus. Yes. Uh, back to more Muppets, though, however, this week. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, so for the story So Farscape, I've got a little help. Uh, one of our listeners, Gureth, was uh, recently in a thrift shop or a used bookstore where they found a treasure that I'd been looking for for a while. It is uh, Uncharted Territory, an unofficial and unauthorized guide to Farscape. Oh, wow. By Scott Andrews. It was published. Oh, let me see. I actually haven't checked when it was published. Uh, oh, 2002. Oh, the series wasn't even finished yet. No. Then. So it's entirely uh, written by a fan based on what they could piece together from the uh, various things available on the budding internet at the time. Yeah, so that's what it kind of reminded me of, like a rewatch blog in book form. It's fantastic. So it goes through every episode, oh. and for every episode, it has uh, it has these recurring segments based on like who features. Okay. Like, uh, uh, oh, let me see. Well, there's bloopers and logic leaps for plot holes, but uh, oh, let me see. The insane military commander, if, yes. if Grace appears, or uh, a ship, a living ship, if it's uh, more Moya, an Amoya episode. <laughs> Buckwheat the sixteenth. Buckwheat the sixteenth. What's that a reference to? Rigel. Oh. That's right. his little, and, and I was oh, a teenage Luxon. Buckwheat is one of uh, John's uh, little Many yeah. pet names. Says who? Says me, Buckwheat. Sparky, spanky, fluffy, Buckwheat the 16th. I noticed that he seems to have settled on Pip for Chiana. All right, Pip. Pip! Pip! Yo, Pip. Come on, Pip. You ready, Pip? I still don't get it. Uh, Pip means... <laughs> I don't know, Pip. It's just there. I've got a cousin which, which was called Pip by her parents. Uh, it's, you know, is that short for something? I don't know. I always forget which one that one is. And like, I mean, I know a few of their names, but I'm terrible with names, as you know, well know. Yes. So I'm no, just like, and most of my most of the first half hour of any family reunion is me uh, hovering close to my mum and going like, which one's that again? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very familiar. In my defense, my family is very large, and there's a, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of them. That's what, hey, Facebook, pro tip. Fair point. I don't do yeah. Facebook. Yeah, I know, but like, look at what the, the service is literally called besides, Facebook. Ki- kids don't do Facebook these days. No, that's true. So that doesn't help. No, oh, okay. Well, we're going to have to figure out something. But in the meantime, I'm going to use this uncharted territory to uh, uh, to do our story so farscape because mm. I actually haven't read the back yet. So let's oh. see if this is. Bring it home. Flung through a wormhole while testing a new theory of space travel, John Crichton arrives in a universe that no amount of sci-fi could have prepared him for. He soon yeah. finds himself on a living ship crewed by escaped convicts, on the run from a variety of madmen, and desperately trying to remain sane. True. Yeah. Farscape takes an all-American hero, a chick with a gun, a pregnant spaceship, a bald blue woman, a guy with tentacles, and a puppet with silly eyebrows, and combines them with astounding production to create a gritty, dark, funny, anarchic, and shocking show. That sounds about good. This is great. Yeah, thank you, uh, thank you, Scott Andrews, and thank you for posting this to us. It's a, it's an absolute treasure. Thank you so much. We appreciate any listener interaction that we uh, have. Actually, we have a lot of listener interaction. We do. So last time, I decided to save the synopses that are sent in by our listeners for mm-hmm. uh, uh, for the episode when we record because they're not like some of them are great, but they give away a little bit more than I kind of want. So yes. When I'm announcing the next episode, it's always going to be a, a synthesis of what has been sent so far. But yeah, do, do you want to read a few from our listeners? Let's see. By Greg, uh, Greg G.H. Cosplay, Mrs. Potato Head joins the crew. The crew goes hunting for dinner and it's springtime for Moya. 
Uh, and Wookie, Redshirt Wookie returns with uh, Zan becomes the meaning of the word hangry when Moya runs out of food cubes. This crew search for food in a city built by space rednecks in a place only space rednecks would build one, the remains of a giant space whale. Yes, and Matthew B. says, when the cracker supply, presumably exhausted, uh, Moya's crew is famished and their toothbrushes look tasty. Chana seeks the help of her frenemies on a rotting space corpse that's definitely not a moon, and a sweaty Bayou Baldy and a Baskerville Hound have some home field advantage. Zahn is sharing her bud, and uh, Aaron takes a risk. Tentacles gets bold, and Rigel as well, Rigel. And that's my Matthew B. Uh, good job on uh, uh, the like accenting the second E in Tentacles. Yes. <laughs> really taking us to task here. Oh, I'm going to save the next one for last. Uh, and, and the next one is Billy Roberts. Uh, while hungry, the Moyan crew go to Louisiana for some Cajun cooking. That's really appropriate. It is. While there, John comes face to face with Harry the Hairy Ape. Thank you, Billy. And by the Derp Prime, we have a comfortable pair of trousers and a letter of the alphabet delve into the devilish, delectable and perilous purview of Farscape. One American astronaut descends into... Oh, wait, that's the... No, sorry. (laughs) One one American astronaut's descent into the Australasian BDSM scene. That's bondage, domination, sadism and Muppets, of course. (laughs) And this was, no, I see your confusion there. By the Derp Prime. Because the Derp sent us two. Uh, One of them was for the episode itself, which is when special effects get an R rating or TV. And the other one was for us, for our show. I get it, yes. Oh, we're going to have to do some clever editing to make that sound better. Nope, going to leave it just exactly. No, this is, like, you should see the chaos that comes in. And thank you to everyone who submitted a, a, a synopsis and... Hey, you can find us on Twitter. We're at SoFarscape, and there's a link to our handy-dandy submission form in there. Uh, Please do send them. Remember, again, 100% factually accurate, but completely baffling and useless. Please, that's what we're going for. Uh, Yes, you've guessed it. We're talking about Season 2, Episode 7, Home on the Remains. I guess it's a play on Home on the Range, which seems to be... Oh, God, yes, of course. I completely (laughs) missed that. (laughs) That's a song, isn't it? Home on the Range. Or is that the theme song for the, the film Home on the Range? Was, wasn't it's there an well, animated film with well cows? It's well possible. I'm not sure if that yeah. was called Home on the Range. I was immediately thinking the of Chicken Run. The song is much older, though, because I remember singing it in uh, uh, oh. grade school back in Indonesia. But Oh, whoa. Uh, Popular uh, song, was it? I don't know. I was in international school, and at one point I had an Australian teacher, so it might entirely <gasps> well be a uh, Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So we have an opening shot of what I first thought was a uh, dead leviathan, but it turns out to be a, 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 a bedong. A boodong. A boodong. I mean, that sounds like something that lives in the Australian outback. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's this, it's this massive, like, skeletal, but also still meaty creature. You see lots and lots of little spaceships buzzing around, flying into its what looks like eye sockets or nostrils. And yes. Uh, a massive jaw. Apparently Moya could fit in its jaws. See, okay, so there's no official confirmation of this. I, I couldn't find anything on the internet. I am convinced that we've seen a Budong before. Right. The bones embedded in the asteroid where we met Namtar, mm. like, that was also huge and skeletal. There yes. might be more huge space creatures around, not oh, just Budongs fair. and Leviathans. But, yep. I mean, it's kind of funny that they're called Leviathans when, in fact, there are creatures apparently much bigger than them. To quote Star Wars, there's always a bigger fish. True, true. There are no fish aboard Moya. No, nope. food's run out. Nor loaves. And everybody is hungry, starving, in fact. I'm starving to death! Yeah, they're really pissed at each other. Uh, 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 Everybody's ch- a little bit snippy. Yeah. 
especially Erin towards Chiana. Mm. Wow, she's really hostile. You obviously didn't hear. Chiana's got enemies that she forgot to tell us about. Because Chiana uh, guided them here for the last month promising food. Yes, she's uh, been here before. This is a mining colony which uh, she has worked at uh, before uh, with her brother. Yeah, uh, recently, recently deceased, uh, which they apparently left under less than ideal circumstances, having stolen some, I presume, money from uh, the, <laughs> yeah. one of the, uh, the keepers there. Rigel clocks it immediately. How much did you steal? steal yes. <laughs> Uh, Aaron is unimpressed with Chiana, but that sort of level of disgust is only increased when she sees what uh, John is doing in the background. What is that appalling smell? Breakfast. Yes, he's up frying up the dentics. Can't eat dentics. Never swallow the dentic. Yeah, he's got a oh, what's one of those hot plate calls? One of the oh, uh, hibachi, hibachi grill. Or there something. you go. Uh, and yes, he's like uh, giving them a little fry up. He tries one. Doesn't like it. Oh, apparently you can't you can't eat dentics. You can't eat everything if you cook it. They're not dentics. They're fried dentics. Dentics, yes. Uh, but you, the horror in Aaron's eyes. Like, yes. What are apparently you doing? That's a very undone thing. What but does she know? He immediately spits it out and stuffs it in the garbage disposal. Uh, Rigel instead. <laughs> <laughs> Who kind of seems to go like you know he's like he clearly doesn't enjoy it, but he still eats it. Well, the expression on these puppets. Although I think. Uh, uh, Rigel doesn't look his best when he's looking up. No. When you can see his uh, his top gums, yes, they're the kind of... Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a weird look. Oh, speaking of weird look, uh, before anyone thinks that this is going to be a fun-filled episode... Yes. Zahn arrives on the scene. Dressed dramatically. I mean, she's, she's so, yes. She's feeling uh, kind of unwell. And she's dressed like a leper almost with these oh. like rags over her head. And she's got a wicked case of Delvian acne. <laughs> yeah. She's got an announcement. I need food. I must have food. Or I'll die. Or I shall die. Yes. Oh, She's drama so queen. dramatic. It's fantastic. So apparently uh, they, uh, Delvians don't do too well when they don't eat. And uh, yeah, she's right. like the worst of, of the lot. Yeah, like everyone else is just uh, hangry, as uh, one of our listeners, I think it was, uh, I think it was Wookie, uh, uh, described it. But yeah, she's uh, she's taking it to the next level. There's a little bit of uh, discussion about whether or not they should just bypass this entire mining colony and go somewhere else instead. But no, Zan's uh, hunger has become so urgent that something has to be done now. So yep, or are. else, or I'll die. She shall perish. Yeah. <laughs> So they are left without a choice, and a, a small contingency of John, Dargo, and Rigel, and Chiana, of course, go to the planet. Uh, Garen complains bitterly that she has to stay behind, but it's... She's the only one who doesn't have allergies on her allergies. I'm not sure what's worse, the hunger pains or the furling allergies. Oh, do you remember how he, uh, how he suffered on the forest moon? Of, yes, uh, too. Uh, uh, but, but, but John is also uh, quite allergic to uh, the spores that Zahn is uh, exuding. Yeah, she's got all these, all these little... I mean, they look like flower buds yes. growing out of her it's face like, like, and head. Like, like little asparagus, which are like growing, but they're kind of like orangey-green. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, that kind of creeped me out a little bit. I, I, I don't like that. Because like, you immediately sort of... Like, what would it feel like to have those growing on you and to touch yeah, them? I would go like, yeah. oh, no. I get, like, freaked out by beard hairs which are in the wrong place, let alone having yeah, something no, like that. I know what you mean. <laughs> wow. Virginia Hayes' tolerance for really 
inventive makeup. Oh, uh, she she once commented for uh, one of the other resources that I have. I have the official uh, Farscape visual companion book mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and there's a quote from her there. And I can just immediately hear it in Virginia Hayes' uh, uh, voice. Like, isn't it amazing what these writers come up with? They're some sick puppies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, does she have a is, is her na- a native accent uh, Australian? I suppose. Oh yes, so. yes, yeah. yes. She's uh, she's a proud Australian. I think you even hear it in uh, in her appearance in Mad Max Two as the Warrior Woman. Oh, oh she's fantastic. Uh, so into the uh, into the transport we go, and we oh, there's a gorgeous special effects shot. You just zoom in on the budong. Yes, and you zoom in, in and, a, in, and in, in, flying through the budong's guts until it finally arrives at the uh, landing bay area, where John complains that it smells again. Yeah, uh, but there's at least a good breeze going on because Chana's hair is just like it's ruffling. Fantastic! Up. It, it's it's like, fabulous. I wonder if this was an outdoor set. Filmed at night. I mean, that doesn't seem very likely considering the filming no, pressure. They probably just had. I mean, they had a big fan standing there, uh, blowing, uh, blowing. Just to at make them. it extra dramatic. Yeah. I wonder. Hey, I mean, it's completely open to space. Doesn't make sense unless this creature is producing a lot of uh, atmosphere and gravity. Yeah, I they mean, seem to have no problem walking around. Yeah, the gravity seems to be like a bit of a hand wave thing in uh, Farscape yeah. as well. I mean, you've got, yeah, maybe they've just built in some gravity bladders under the camera. Right, yes. Oh, and Moya can be open to space without venting too much. Like, she's got sort of bubble... Dome, yeah. Yeah, it seems like. A little force field, I suppose. I mean... Uh, why? I'm a Star Trek nerd. Why couldn't I find the word force field? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So they're, they're on Black Rock City... <laughs> Once again, which seems to be a favoured uh, a favorite set design for, uh, gosh, an Australian production that looks like Mad Max. Amazing. Yeah, gee, who would have come up with that? The, 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 the costume designer, Terry Ryan, had a lot of fun creating these uh, these costumes, called them the rubbish people. Yeah. Uh, and inspired a lot by, uh, like, Yukon uh, gold rush miners, right? I can right? see that, yeah. I mean, there is. it is a mining colony. Apparently, they are on this uh, budong harvesting kidney stones or something like that, <laughs> because that's pretty much what they're doing. They're, like, yes. they're, they're digging these green crystals out of its body in various places, like take a left at the liver and then walk for a mile or two. If you see the kidneys, you've gone too far. Yes. <laughs> Gosh. Wow. The, the sheer scale of it. I mean, Moya's already huge. Yes. Uh, and this thing could fit in its mouth. Yes, they're looking for Nogelti crystals, which form in the... I guess it's sort of like... Um, Oh, when you cure a ham, you get those little salt crystals oh, that right. form. Oh, right, little pockets of umami. Yeah. Yes. Uh, except probably not so tasty, but very valuable. Oh, and there's one other thing that uh, rotting budongs produce, acid pustules. Oh, yes. That's like Really nasty. bad news. Yes. Which we learn about almost immediately after they arrive on the budong, because there is a creature alarm, which only seems to go off after a creature attack. I've noticed. It's like it's not like alarm. There is a creature. No, there is an alarm. Someone has been attacked. Yeah, that seems to be uh, that seems to be the case. But this person, Temon, oh yeah, who happens to be the person that Chiana went there to see, yes, uh, has been like he's covered in acid. His his whole sort of tummy work is uh, yes melted uh, through. Uh, he's like clearly in pain. He still recognizes Chiana though. Uh, asks her to do what has to be done, and she yeah. picks up his pickaxe and drives it right through his sternum. No uh, problem. No. Uh, well done. She, I mean, she put him out of his misery. Everybody stands there around looking a little bit awkward, and there's like a few moments where you're wondering where this is going to go until another creature very similar to the one that's just been put out of its misery shows up and praises yeah. Chana for doing the right thing. Like, apparently, if once you get covered by that acid, you are a goner. What the hell are you doing? Once that stuff touches you, you're dead anyway! And yes. killing someone is a mercy. 
You did what needed to be done, Chiana. As usual, these weaklings didn't have the guts to put my brother out of his misery. That's uh, that's Besog who praises her. That's the the brother of Temon who who just died. And initially, when I saw Temon, having, yeah. having forgotten much of this episode until my rewatch, it's uh, it's clearly an alien creature, a very large head, very very sweaty still, completely bald, yeah. with a big split in his skull and a couple of extra noses. Well, at least one extra nose. He's got like three nostrils, but one of them looks like it's like just from an extra nose that was trying to grow out the side. Right. And at first, I thought, wow, what a terrible attack he's been under. But his brother looks the exact same. Yeah, so maybe this is like a species. Species guess that's what they have, how they, what they look. He looks a very classic Star Trek alien, I suppose. It's like the big forehead and the... Oh, yeah. But it's got that, that Farscape stank oh, on totally. it where everybody's yeah. always got like some scars. Rather than being perfectly clean and pretty, even the, yeah. the dirty aliens, this one has a very lived-in look like he hasn't had a shower in about uh, two yeah, months really sweaty on the yeah. on the prosthetics everything's covered in sort of sticky vaseline it looks like i kind of like to imagine that like maybe this species reproduces through mitosis essentially oh. and they're just slowly splitting that, down the middle that would make sense right yeah. yeah that explains the extra nose as well uh it seems to be the, the local sheriff or marshal as uh, john calls him uh, who demands that they hand in their weapons so that they can like go about their business and acquire food? He offers them a little bit of food. Yep, except they... for Chana. It's like, mm. yeah, remember what you did. I'll feed your friends, but not you, Chana. You used up my charity. So off to a great start. In proper Farscape tradition, they arrive somewhere and they're almost immediately worse off than where they... Uh... Right, but Chana doesn't actually object to this. She is, like, again, right. putting her, the crew ahead of herself and goes, like, yes, go, eat. I'll yeah. be all right. You have to get food to Zan. Uh, you have to eat yourself. Uh, and she's being very selfless, I suppose. Yeah, so this is a real through line for Chiana, and it's really cool that so early on in the season she's getting a second episode developing mm. her uh, her character after uh, taking the stone, uh, because it's about understanding her sort of character and what, what loyalty is. Right. Because over the course of this episode, we also meet Altana. Altana. Alive and kicking. And she's also a... She reminded me of Furlough. Yes. Right? She's, know, a, yeah, she's got yeah, the same yeah. kind of skullcap. Uh, very scarred miner who uh, has very fond memories of Chiana, and she has a heart to heart with uh, with Dargo, who has romantic interests in Chiana that she detects. Yeah, we've seen that before. Yeah, and she assures him that uh, uh, she's a wild one, but she has a, she had a heart of gold, mm. and she will do anything for uh, uh, to feed your friend, and that's what we see her doing. Yes, she's uh, completely uh, willing to. Uh put all her other issues and uh, troubles aside in order to uh, get uh, get the food to where it's needed. But as, yeah. is, as is Rigel, but mostly for himself. Right, Rigel's just plain old hungry. Uh, although he, that doesn't stop him from complaining about the food. Like, why are you eating meat? It's like... Why didn't I get any meat? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, like, you got to pay. Yeah, you got to pay for meat. Uh, and then he discovers, oh, there's a little gambling game over there. Yes. I can do that. Yes, that With doesn't a... go well. But no. we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But uh, Trinity of Mintaka three. Yeah, like, yeah, we're going. Hey, we're going at a, at a, at a fair clip. But I, th- I think we can do that because this is a. I mean, this is a, a like an episode ass episode. It has a, it has an A plot, has a B plot. They both work. Yep. They they move at a nice clip. Uh, you got a cool set that's being used. This is sci-fi. This is television sci-fi. Very much so. I uh, really like the gambler. Right, yeah. I mean, he, they couldn't resist like giving him one of those cliche gambling visors. Yes, or, he's got that money counting visor. And I noticed that everybody, like, they, they went through a lot of effort to have everybody here speak in a local slang or weird dialect. 
I'm closing the mine till I track that Kiva and kill it. But with the mines closed, how are these poor folk gonna earn enough negelty for provisions? How are you gonna anything if you're dead? Oh. Now get out of here. I'm gone. Yeah, good ear. This was, let me see, the actor, ooh, I forget who the actor is who played uh, uh, B-Sog. He initially, like, together with the director Rowan Woods, uh, they decided that they wanted, like, an old accent. And yeah. in Australia, that means uh, an old Aborigine accent. But as it was performed by this, uh, uh, by this actor, it sounded actually kind of deep south. American South. Right. Yeah. So once the American producers heard it, like they they were not apparently not terribly impressed, uh, and through ADR his dialogue was replaced, and he got a got got quite a different weird accent that sort of I think matches much more this uh, this gambler like yes. Villa I mean, or yeah, whatever. they all everybody on that uh, place kind of speaks in this more or less the same uh, weird accent, throwing a lot of. Odd words again, which you have like Weird no idea emphasis. what they mean. That too, yeah. As it pastools. Uh. He smack ah smack into a past you. <laughs> that sounds almost like Louisiana, but I guess what you mean with the uh, hey, uh, yeah. we're not the only ones who observed that this was space Louisiana. Yeah, it's kind of like Louisiana. True, with the uh, uh, the local rednecks. Meanwhile, on Moya, uh, Aaron is trying to take care of Zahn, who seems to have gone like. Almost catatonic. She's paralyzed. She's uh, she's not particularly lucid. Is there anything I can do? It's like, well, I could make mix up a salve, and then she goes, "You're not in any state to do that. Tell me what to use, and I'll do it." Yeah. Which doesn't go as well as you would have hoped. No, she's instructed to. What do we need to mix together? Be Ito and Ligel. Right. Which one are they? Uh. I have no idea what those are. Oh, yeah, the two that, marked files. Yes. Yeah, like, That's convenient. Like, not all files are marked. I mean, that would be weird. I mean, she does a lot by sniffing at them, but still, <laughs> yeah. that's, it seems like a dangerous way to go about your chemistry set. Uh, puff of smoke, it is uh, It is not very easy to is do, it but... to do that? Yeah, Zan's no help at all. God, we get a lot of really cool shots of this set that was built yes. for the uh, mining camp. I guess they wanted to get their money's worth out of it. I mean, yeah... I, like, it looks like a million bucks, That's which I think is about the episode budget. Mm, so I heard. Which, uh, still wondering why they're putting camo netting up in the middle of there. But right. It's like... <laughs> I guess they so still had a, a... Like, production perspective, like, okay, so you want to build a set that looks like it's an enclosed space, right? Mm. But you've got to be able to move cameras through walls conveniently to get from set A to B, because yeah. that just saves you 20 minutes of setup time. I suppose, yeah. Or being able to shoot from the the other direction or hang a light where there's normally a, a wall. So everything's got to be mobile. So, like, netting is actually really convenient. Like, it gives a lot of visual interest, but you can push it aside and move a light through. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So with the uh, uh, with the crew having now a supply of uh, uh, lichen and fungus, yeah. uh, John zips up to uh, to feed it to, uh, to Zan. Aaron is, I mean... She takes it in stride. It mm, definitely takes the edge off. Yeah. She's a soldier. Yeah. Chow's like, chow. Rations is rations. Yeah, yeah right. Have probably had worse. But Zan proclaims that it is now too late. Can't gone too far. Need meat. This cannot still my hunger. I'm too far gone. I must have... Meat. Chicken wings, medium spicy. <laughs> Sauce on the side. Yeah. <laughs> She's but, a real drama queen. I love her. But she proclaims that, yes, yeah, so once uh, her state has progressed too far, that she must uh, feed on meat and, like, yeah. plants gone carnivorous. Yeah, this is the this sort of evolutionary response, she explains, while she grabs John in some kind of 
painful-looking handlock that yes. I'm not entirely sure how it Makes works. Makes moves like she's going to nibble his fingers off or something along those lines. Uh, yeah. But yes, apparently when they've gotten through this state, they have to feed on meat and have animal protein. Otherwise, it's, yeah. they're not going to be able to uh, recover. That's what the buds she's growing are for. They're releasing yeah. microspores that everyone's allergic to and that are actually starting to affect Moya as well mm. uh, as a means of incapacitating a, a, a predator that yeah, might want poisoning to... Poisoning them even, I think she says. A I cunning think. plan. Yeah, apparently the spores are like making Moya go numb on the inside. Yeah. Much to Pilot's uh, distress, I suppose. Meanwhile, Rigel has taken up his gambling game and he loses. Yeah, he rather accuse, badly. accuses the other guy of cheating, which he says, of course I'm cheating. That's part of the game. Yeah, this is like Monopoly in my house. Northern <laughs> Irish rules, I'm never letting my mother be the bank again. <laughs> Years of my life were wasted wondering, like, why am I so mad at this game? But Why does she keep winning? Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Love you, uh, mom. There's a little bit of an argument over there, which uh, Rigel loses, and he gets, like, hauled off, because apparently he's, like, starting to play on credit. And, of course, when he loses, the guy goes, I don't think you have those crystals that you said you had. I don't think you have anything of value that you have. Yeah. Uh, so oh, you better pay up. Right. So speaking of that, like, in, during the uh, further exchange with B-Sog, they actually offered to buy meat and food, and they said, we have... Medical supplies, medical supplies, weapons. weapons. And he goes, like, what do you think this is, a commerce planet? And I'm just like, wait... Just wow. because you're a mining colony, you don't do any you trade? You don't want, like, a pan or, yeah, like, I makes... don't know, a spaceship. Hey, we have spare spaceships. They just grow here. I suppose, yeah. You know, those those transport pods, they seem to have an almost infinite supply of them. I mean, them. they've not lost, actually lost one yet. Oh, that is a good point. I mean, point. it's not like Voyager, where they keep losing shuttles. Yes, and they lost one to the uh, to the Flax, but you're right. Right, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a really, like, a really nerdy website. I think it's called Ex Astra Scientia. Uh, Skientia, or however it's uh, supposed to be pronounced, mm-hmm. uh, where the host of that site, I think is a German gentleman, did the math on how many photon torpedoes did Voyager fire, uh, how many shuttles have they lost, and like different classes as well. And like, if you take all of those shuttles, they wouldn't fit inside Voyager, even if she was just completely <laughs> empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so Farscape is always a much more sensual kind of series True. rather than uh, 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 cerebral. Side, yeah. Uh, and that's what Chiana is doing with B-Sox. She is laying on the sex appeal, something fierce. You chose Temin over me. Oh, maybe I made the wrong choice. Temin's gone now. Oh, wow. The, uh, we mentioned the sort of crack in his dome that yes. uh, seems to be a feature of these species. She is fingering this dude's crack. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm that. not, I'm not bleeping it out. Oh, no, I'm not uh, insisting you do. Okay, you, we're okay. We're podcasting. You've got to keep facing the microphone. You can't just keep turning around to bother your cat. What's she even doing? She's over grooming, so I need to stop her from doing. Oh, that. Oh, that's right. All right. So yes, over grooming. So Chana is like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, until they are rudely interrupted by uh, Pisog Dargo. Who is, I mean, he's a little, he's a little envious here. Yes, he sees what she's doing. And I, mean, I wouldn't call it envy. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I, I was going to say jealous. I thought that's not the word. Uh, and like, I'm, a, I'm one of those pedants who knows the difference between envy and jealousy. And there are right. different words. But yeah, that's not the case either. No, he's, I think he's just like, uh, Chana is looking out for her crew uh, to uh, see if she can feed them by any means necessary. Yeah. Uh, Dargo is looking out for her and trying to stop her from doing something which he thinks she shouldn't be doing. Yes, which he's done before uh, in the last episode that we watched, Picture If You Will, mm-hmm. uh, deciding to take her painting away from her. Yes. But that was a that was like a last 
a, like a last ditch effort to, right. to protect her. For the rest of the time, like he's much more respectful of her choices. And this is much more like stopping her from uh, selling herself, I suppose, because that's yeah. literally the uh, deal that Besok offers her. She says, like, oh, well, a night with you, uh, that wouldn't be uh, too bad. And she's like, he's like, night? No, this is a life for a life. Yeah. Uh, I give you meat, you, I get you until I'm done with you. Yeah. Oh. oh, that actor, he did such a good job. Like, Besog is so sleazy and creepy throughout. Maybe you do have something to trade. No! I like that Darko, like, he is respectful of Chiana's own agency. They have a confrontation later on where she talks like, I had a brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's dead now. I've got to make my life on my own. I don't need another one. Brother, that's like literally immediately after that thing with Vsog. Oh, God. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Well, here we <laughs> there go. We go. Uh, because this was a really interesting exchange. And we get to see Dargo's like emotional maturity, mm. which it's always been sort of weird that he does not show a lot of emotional maturity in situations of conflict. Yeah. He's very brash. He's like, it seems to come from a place of insecurity. Yeah. But when it comes to actually relating to people or opening up about, uh, uh, about his uh, concerns or fears, he can do that very well. Yes. Maybe and- that's his two brain halves, which can uh, keep things apart. <laughs> yeah, he just has one mature brain and one kid brain. That, that-, <laughs> that sounds very familiar. Honestly, now I'm saying it out loud. Mm. Aaron is still trying to uh, find something to help Zahn and figures like, she likes light, so I'm going to give her lots of light. She puts up a few banks of I don't know what they are. Then how do you know it'll help? I don't, but she's a plant and she loves light. (laughs) She makes a little solarium. Yeah. uh, Very industrial looking, like way to go. Turns them on, uh, blinding light, and immediately all Zahn's buds start like going all dandelion all over the place. Oh yeah, they explode. It's, in- like, it's, it's like that fluff that you get from birch trees or dandelions, yes. and it just goes yes. like foomph, uh, all over the place. Entire room, like a, a down pillow just exploded. Yeah. Yeah, an explosion in a down pillow factory. Yeah, gosh, apparently, like, for months and months afterward, they'd continue finding these fluffs all on over the set. on the set. I mean, that's just like with, when you go with glitter, you know? <laughs> yeah. Susan brings glitter to the arts and crafts party. How, How many, many people, people go home covered in glitter? <laughs> yes, Everyone. everybody. We had a Halloween party once, and one person had glitter involved in their costume. I know. We, we found glitter for years afterwards. <laughs> yep, I went home covered in glitter as well. <laughs> It's not just cosmetic. Uh, Zan has actually progressed to a level of yeah. paranoia where she's now accusing, uh, without really moving much, accusing Aaron of trying to kill her. I was trying to help, Zan. Lies, you tried to kill me. Don't be stupid. Brutish peacekeeper. Uh, and it starts to affect Aaron as well now. She wasn't uh, affected uh, by the, the spores, I suppose, at first, but now the fluff is the out. Actual, the actual, like, yeah. the super pollen. She is, like, completely uh, uh, starting. You can hear it. Like, her breathing goes really nail. And How much damage could these spores do? She does very well. Yeah. She, she talked about that in, uh, in an interview where, like, she had a lot of experience really nailing uh, simulating symptoms as a child when she didn't want to go to school oh. because her parents are doctors and they are not easily fooled. <laughs> <laughs> so she needed to be uh, she needed to become an, an actress quite early on in life. Nice. John has a discussion with Chana and uh, Chana tells him that uh, her friend is willing to share the wealth uh, and uh, that because she's found a, a, the mother load of all uh, crystals or something. Yeah. So uh, that's the friend uh, Altana, the sort of four load yeah. looking woman. But Besog has ordered the mine closed because of the animal attack. Yes. And at this point, I'm starting to go like, huh, mm-hmm. is he using that to 
control the population, mm. and I, I started getting my suspicions. Very good. Quite Very early good. on in this, right? not quite the way that uh, they manifested, although they got confirmed uh, fairly shortly afterwards. Because John goes looking for Rigel and finds him where he's been put to work by the uh, gambling man, uh, and apparently. Uh, Rydell has already found himself a crystal, and he's like using his little uh, betting stick that he yes, was using exactly. at the uh, gaming table to <laughs> slowly chisel it out of the wall. It's so it, 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 it was a little very, very much like Yoda hitting Luke with his Geimer stick. <laughs> with a, wait, with a what? I think it's called a Geimer stick. Oh, that's cute. His, yeah. little, his little stick has a name. Well, of course, it's Star Wars. They're they're yeah. fucking chess pieces. Have their own comic series. <laughs> John grabs him by the earbrow, says, mm-hmm. this is your ear, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, whispers into it and yells, like, let go. Uh, urges him to go, leave. And let's go! Starts walking off himself, but then he gets his first encounter with, I don't know, it's a bugbear or whatever. It's like, it looks like a cross between a bear and a gorilla. It's great, right? Yeah. It's called a, it's called a kidva. Uh, Dave Elsie talked about, gosh, I'm full of trivia today. Yeah. Uh, that his inspiration came from uh, The Murders on the Rue Morgue by, the, uh, uh, by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh-huh. It's a horror book where it turns out there's a dude with a great ape that he's uh, trained to kill for him. Well, that sounds very familiar. Yeah, right? <laughs> and it's got, a, it's got this really simian kind of look to it. It's mm. a dude in a suit. Yeah, that's obvious, but... With, a, with an extended head and, like, it's, uh, it's proper creepy, like... Hidden in shadows. Mm. We don't get to see it at first, despite the fact that uh, John has this huge, big torch. For future technology, their torches are absolutely huge. Yeah. I mean, a big battery pack is useful. You can always clobber someone over the head with it. Right. But it seems so... Oh, I don't know. I mean, science fiction has a proud tradition of unwieldy uh, uh, lights. Like in Star Trek The Next Generation, you have the hand beacons, which you right. hold in your cupped palm, and it's still... And but later on, they have the like, shoulder-mounted uh, uh, Yeah, that lights. took decades to get to, like Star Trek Discovery, <laughs> shoulder-mounted lights, or helmet lights, so you can look, you, you, yeah. know, you can see Fair where point. you look. Okay, well... Uh, John goes running away from the beast, uh, runs back up to Rigel, who tries to hover-sled his way up into the safety. Bravely flies away, Runs. away, brave, brave, so Rigel. <laughs> Very good. Sorry, Crichton. Whoa! No, you don't. You're not ditching me. Get off. Uh, John jumps up, leaps on, hangs on. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, fantastic. He's got it. He's sort of scrabbling on with his arms and legs. Give it more juice. And Rigel goes, it doesn't have any. And they're just like hovering there while the slavering beast is jumping up, trying to get hold of uh, John's uh, juicy, uh, juicy, juicy backside. Yes. <laughs> Uh, a Rigel threatens to bite his fingers off. Crichton's fingers weren't anywhere near his mouth until no. he threatened to bite his fingers off. And then, like, Suddenly Crichton mouth. shoved this... I, yeah. I don't get it. Uh, Crichton bites his ear in retaliation, I guess. Like, if, you're, if I'm falling down, you're going <laughs> yeah. with me, or at least your ear is. What was that for? I ate your lunch. The dentics tasted better. <laughs> you tasted worse. But we hear a strange whistling sound, and the... Uh, the monster slinks away. Yeah. Uh, the mystery deepens. We're back on uh, Moya. We see a shot of uh, uh, Zan. She's uh, exhaling clouds of the fluff stuff. Yeah, it's it's really kind of cool. I mean, she's got her mouth open. Oh, her eyes are red at this point. Yes, and I noticed the, that. Her, like, massive, like, uh, almost glowing red eyes. Bad sign for a Delvian. Yes. Why, why are your eyes red? It's tissue bile migrating to my brain. It sort of remind me of uh, uh, that gag where, oh, Exodus from Genesis, do you remember? With you know, yeah. the, the monarch. Right. And made all these duplicates that mm. uh, started covering stuff in this blue goop. Yeah. Ooh, and you yes. had, like, fake Zan opening her mouth. And then there was clearly, like, a squirt gun next to her that... Had, yes, well... 
It's not pea soup. <laughs> Much better done here. Uh, but yeah, Aaron, like she came up with the plan to isolate herself and uh, and Zan in a transport pod, yep. so that Moya's atmosphere could be vented. But Zan has disappeared, and since Moya's uh, uh, situation is progressing worse, like she could be permanently blinded by these spores. Yes, as pilots um, uh, tells Aaron, and they between the two of them, they make the tough decision to actually uh, vent uh, Moya. Yep. I mean, I, I was actually quite happy with the fact that for the first time when they have an environmental problem, they go like, oh, why don't we just go to one of the transports? Yes, <laughs> that's <laughs> yes. Exodus from Genesis. Also, you could have just, like, they're probably still cool. Exactly. It's uh, not a problem. But, yeah, that's for, finally they're starting to realize that uh, they can actually do this. You have spaceships, yeah. guys. You well done. close these things off. This doesn't have to be a problem. But, yes, uh, the, the two together they come to the difficult decision to... Uh, Vent Moya anyway, because they are literally out of options. Yep. Like, Moya can't stand the fluff anymore. It might blind her senses permanently. And Eren goes off to control command. Yep, uh, where she can be isolated. uh, And pilot uh, vents Moya's atmosphere. Which will take an arm to repressurize. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, it makes it kind of makes sense. Out is easy. In you have to like, unless you have that much volume stored away, Moya probably has to uh, reprocess all the yep, all true. the air and slowly f- uh, fill it back on in. Gosh, the lighting I've noticed on on Moya certainly, but also on the on the set is fantastic. We've got production designer Tim Ferrier who's taken over for season two, mm-hmm. and like I noticed in season two, Moya sort of looks very church like. There's yeah. all these uh, there's all these earth tones and all these shapes casting shadows. There's lots of shafts of light. Uh, I've always done that, yeah. Okay, normally you don't have as much atmospheric haze as you have here. But no, they're really hamming that up because of all the fluff in the air. Exactly, yeah. it looks fantastic. But we find out where the uh, where the Kidva was summoned away fr- uh, uh, was summoned to when it uh, uh, when it left John because there are some other targets that it was actually sent to find. Dargo has made off with uh, Chana's friend uh, and is going to help her uh, recover the vein, uh, or at least uh, pl- plenty of crystals from it. And they are also yep. making their way through the... Uh, through the bowels and innards of this whole sort of set of fleshy tunnels with light shining through. and all. It reminded me a lot of Lex. It does a bit, yeah. It's like a more organic version even of Moya's uh, set, I suppose. Yeah. It's more like you're, they're walking yeah, through intestines or blood vessels or whatever you want to call it. Which all have a very convenient and flat floor, of course. It's just the walls which are uh, all over the place. Fleshy and, uh, and, and, and membranous. But they are soon attacked by this creature, which knocks Dargo about and uh, goes for Altana, who does not, unfortunately, survive. No, we, we don't learn that until later, until uh, Dargo actually manages to uh, make his way back to the uh, camp, uh, yep. badly wounded. Once this- again, he gets wounded a, a lot. lot, yeah. He gets knocked about and, and, and smashed to pieces. I mean, he says, no, I'll be fine, but the blood's running clear. That's, yeah. Tis uh, but a flesh wound. His arrival interrupts a little heart-to-heart which John and Chana are having. Yeah. Trying to discuss that uh, they have to buy the meat, which Bisog is, like, carefully hoarding away from them. Yeah. Because he will... He will not accept anything other than labor or crystals in exchange for the meat. Which is so weird. Like, dude, spaceships 
again, the, there's such tremendous value to be had out yep. here, even on a mining. Uh, don't get it. Whatever. Maybe think, he's just being. I think he's just like trying to maintain his control over the uh, over the mining camp because that's yeah. basically that's clearly what he's doing. I mean, at, at this point, we've heard that whistling sound several times now, and it always seems to drive off the uh, the creature. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, why are you not, why are you not using that the entire time? You know, it's like so, clearly someone has uh, access to this, and we learned that it's Besog. Uh, and why are you not using this to make the place safe to mine? But he's clearly just like trying to oh, yeah, be the big boss here and keep it that way and have everybody working on his terms. And also to uh, uh, to jump their claims. Like that was Altama's yeah. thing. She suspected Besog of uh, uh, killing Temon and closing down the mines right, uh, so to he- get her seam. That folly closed the mines. Bastard's probably down there right now jumping my claim. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot going on. There's there a lot is. of uh, yeah. there's a lot of parallel plots. Moya, having been repressurized, is now uh, becoming more livable again. And we see this cute scene where Zahn just kind of descends from the ceiling. It's like completely she's unclear so how she fl- manages to float down like that. It's- I know she's such a drama queen to this <laughs> this whole thing. I mean, Aaron is there, like quietly mumbling, "Oh, Zahn, please forgive me," and she just descends like the Phantom of the Opera. opera. <laughs> no, continuing her paranoid screed. Yes, you've uh, tried to poison me. You've tried to kill me. Now you've tried to like uh, space me. Uh, you came to my planet and imprisoned me. <laughs> she clutches herself. <laughs> yeah. And there he goes, no, uh, uh, no, hold on, that wasn't me, that was, uh, hey, who, yeah, you're being you're sort you're of- being delirious here at this point. Uh, she gets a good smacking from Zahn. It takes a little time to try and convince her that uh, she is still the good guy, that, uh, yeah. that that she's been working towards helping her. Everything she's done is to try and help her and like encourages her to, like, you are a priest, a 10th level priest of the whatever the uh, uh, thing it was. A 10th level pow. You're a Dovian 10th level pow. You trade your mind to control your thoughts. Do it now. That she doesn't it, say yeah. pa'u, she's pa-u, pa-u. maybe she's misread it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, yes, you have trained your mind to control it, or something along those yeah. words, along those lines. And through the haze of her uh, fragmented confusion, uh, Zan tries. Right, but in the end, her uh, more martial instincts uh, seem to get... Uh, oh, she better- asks for help. Help me. Yeah, yeah. She asks Aaron for True. help, and Aaron goes, All right. No problem. <laughs> And headbutts her. her. Yep, uh, which knocks her out. More fluff all over the place. And drags her into the transport pod as planned. A lot of headbutting in this episode. Yeah, there is, isn't it? John uh, John gave uh, uh, gave Rigel a Belfast kiss. Do we count Belfast kisses as kisses for the oh. kiss counts? <laughs> well, hmm. Oh, as long as it's not a Glaswegian smile, then... <laughs> oh, maybe that's what uh, B-Sog and Tebon have going on. It's not vertical, though. Well... <laughs> It's, a, it's out in the uncharted territories. John is, meanwhile, making his way through the corridors again. Yes, he's, he's stealing after uh, Besok to try and find his stash of meat. Yes, which they still need, because as far as they're aware, that oh, I mean, Zahn still does need it. Uh, yeah, this is his final plan, and after that, I'll cut my own arm off and feed it to, to Zahn. Yeah. It's only one of his arms, hell, he's got four. Uh, and he does, in fact, find Besok in the meat locker. Where he's got a big hunk of meat with a, it, it looks sort of like a medicine ball with a something a like that. Ball with yeah, a, with a, and in the behind him in the locker itself, which has a door with some big OSHA not approved spikes sticking out. <laughs> yeah, those those fantastic locking spikes. Yes, where they have a little uh, argument. He goes like, "Oh, so you're coming here to steal it now? And if I have to, then I will." Yeah. And uh, oh, I'm not going to let that happen. And he blows his whistle, and the creature appears. Yeah, you see Crichton's face going. Oh, I should have figured this out earlier. Uh, yes. Shouldn't I? Yes. Should be easy. It's never easy. 
have our suspicions confirmed that BSOG is in fact in control of the creature and using it to manipulate the miners. And apparently for years yes. that he's had a, an understanding with this uh, with this creature, oh, it won't eat you. It, prefer- it prefers what I feed you. Yes. So I guess so that when people are killed, it looks like mining accidents or, or the creatures i mean they know there's a creature alarm that we have several times oh, and yeah, they, that's it, true. they know that these creatures r- run around apparently it's only one of them or at least one that he's controlling yeah the whole scale seemed very small for such a like, huge right, creature yeah maybe those crystals are only deposited in a certain area of its body i mean like i said if it's kidney stones then it makes sense <laughs> that you, you only find them in certain areas so, like any good uh, uh, Bond villain, Besog sticks the key on John off, yeah. and wanders off to to do what? I don't know. No, he just like leaves. Uh, John tosses the Besog the meat, which almost convinces it to. Uh, I liked that. Like I like that the animal is like a little bit dumb. He throws the meat over its left shoulder. It turns around over its right, like like a dog. You, yeah. You're trying to convince it to uh, to do, and it's like. It has a different world going on. And it's a fantastic fight scene that we have. (laughs) Obviously, it was a struggle to create a cool fight scene between John Crichton, whom, you know, you don't want to mess up that pretty face. He's your hero. And a dude in a suit with arm extensions who cannot see. But I thought it was a fantastic fight scene. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And and John does this lovely salto. Like, he's facing off against the Kidva. He moves left. It moves left. And... Like straight down the middle. He, I thought he was just going to bunny hop over him, but no, he actually because he actually does a little uh, full flip judo roll uh, running over him. Yeah, I wonder if he did it himself or if that was a stunt double. Oh, I like to think that he did it himself. He's quite a fit man and yeah. uh, uh, an avid surfer as well. Oh, ben Brown. okay. So he's been uh, yeah. He was head happy over. as a clam in Australia. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, he's probably got an ass over tits a few times then if he's like a surfer. Uh, uh, but yeah, he d- dives into the meat locker, closes the door, then goes like. Huh, those spikes. Opens it up again, closes it again, catching the creature by the paw. Yep. Uh, and he wants to lure it in further, so he opens it again and, oh, cleverly uses his flashlight to blind and confuse it. Yep, uh, enough for it to get it to stick its head in, uh, at which point he slams the door, controls uh, closed again, spikes impale the creature, oh. and we have a, a dramatic death scene. The Luke Skywalker Rancor maneuver, yes. I believe that's called. Except it was a, a horizontal gate, not a vertical. Why are you so obsessed with the direction of things? The Glasgow <laughs> Small can't be vertical, this can't be horizontal. Come on. <laughs> it's in space. There's no up and down in space. Unless there's gravity bladders. There uh, you go. Oh, Chiana has confronted Bisog in the bowels of the Budong. She has grabbed her gun. Yeah. Not exactly sure how that came to, like, I mean, they had, they had guns. I mean, like... They had to hand them over to Yeah, but, uh, but, to John, Bisog, but John but also grabbed his gun back. I mean, you can see him grabbing it back earlier. Oh, does he? Oh, no, it was the torch he grabbed. I thought there it was the gun. Go. Yeah, he grabbed the torch, yeah. Uh, Chana, well, I mean, she's been, like, snooping around his quarters. I guess she's just, like, found out where That's he's been, hide, right. where he yeah. hit them away, and... Uh, now she's like confronting him, so it would be John's gun. But yeah, they have a little, another little discussion, and she he goes like, "Oh, I know you can, you're not going to kill me. That's not your kind of style. You don't have the guts to kill me directly. Yeah, you'll leave someone to die, but you won't kill them." Chiana, you're a thief and a trout, but you're not a killer. Uh, but she has uh, uh, she has a lot that she's processing. I mean, she says, "I'm evolving as a as an individual." She now knows that he's used the Kidva to uh, kill Altana, to kill Temon, uh, uh, lots of people that she uh, that she cared about. Does she know that at this point? I mean, Actually, John figured it out. He she hasn't. That I think. is a good point. point. Yeah. Why does I think she's pretty sure that uh, uh, that Bisog is responsible for for Altana's death. Right. 
oh god that's it's such a tragedy it was like cliche is the wrong word mm-hmm. but i mean she was almost talking about how she's two days away from retirement yeah, yeah. Uh, before she got killed like she did have a halo of death about strike her strike the mother load and like oh yeah she's a gunner there's like no happy ending can come out of this and uh, she- triana says you're right i can't kill you in cold blood but <laughs> She can scream and scream and scream and shoot one of the acid pustules, which yes. is so much worse. Which goes gooping all over him. There's like a body melting away scene where Beesock has to do a lot of screaming and dying. Dave uh, Elsie previously did the special effects for uh, uh, Hellraiser. Oh, yes, I can see where that comes from, yeah. But yeah, you've got... Uh, oh, it's so fantastic. He must have like made a like a water-soluble sort of glove of, of bloody flesh around someone's hand and then yeah. that melts off. It's... Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Chana, like decides to just like leave she actually looks a little bit shocked at what she's done but yeah. other than uh, his brother which she gave a mercy killing she does not do that to him he just no. she just leaves him and uh, to die as she slinks off while he's yelling that it burns worse than you know which is a weird i mean okay cool thanks for the information yeah also overly dramatic <laughs> But we're back on Moya, and all's well that ends well they're yes. having a kidva barbecue yep uh, zan is just like She's so sweet here. She's just like sitting like, more please. Yeah, what? That was your fourth plate. (laughs) Thank you. This is so sweet. She's sitting there eating with some space cutlery that I noticed earlier on in the episode as well. It's this weird sort of batarang looking It's kind of like a pincer type uh, thing, which shapes kind of like a, what's the name of the game? Great gesturing on a podcast. Well done. You're welcome. Uh, I guess it's sort of like a, like I said, beginner's chopstick. So you can like, like. Oh yeah, learner's chopsticks. Yes. John's licking his fingers, pops a button on his uh, on his leathers. Yeah, uh, and they're having a, a southern fry up, Carolina style kidva. <laughs> Y'all dig in now. Goes full southern, that sweet boy. <laughs> Chiana's on the command, looking out at the budong as they depart. Yeah, she's, she's shot. doing a little weird dance again as she's. Uh, it's the it's the Chiana stance. Yeah, I like suppose. she does that, like knees bent, butt out. Arms forward. Oh, she's still wearing her new outfit. Oh, I completely missed this. She wore a new outfit to impress Temon when she oh, went down. Okay. So she's no longer got her uh, her her shoulder fluff. Oh yes, uh, right. It's a much more uh, like it's patched together leather. It's really good look. It does show over sh- still show over shoulders though, but more in the little see through type thingy. Dargo, Dargo has this cool stance. He's leaning way down on the table, and he's got a he's got a sort of pirate hip cock with his uh, with his hand on his hip. Mm. I noticed it like he was standing a little bit awkwardly. To me, I stand like that when my my, my lower back hurts, but it's ah <laughs> oh, maybe that was it. It it sort of looked like I mean he's coming on to Chiana a little bit and, yes. and telling her what what his feelings are toward her and it and it sort of looked like you know a teenage boy trying to stand extra tough let's go stand near those girls so they can become interested and in notices, us yes uh, and it seems to be going well I suppose they they had their they had their own looking out for each other in their own way uh, yeah and Dargo kind of professes that uh, he does seem to be quite interested in her. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting how this scene develops because okay, once again, people on Moya talk about that they understand loss. I understand loss. Loss. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's I think true for for all of them. And Chiana tries to downplay it. Oh, it's no big deal. Dargo sees through it. You don't yeah. have to. You don't have to lie in front of us. And she's honest with him. I only let the walls down when I feel safe. And he says, like, you're safe here. And gives she, her a kiss. Yes. Uh-huh. And leaves her to ponder that. And she goes, 
Whoa. Oh, yes. Wow. <laughs> that is so cute. I really enjoyed this episode. Action, adventure, drama, yeah. tension. Oh, uh, so much drama from Zahn. <laughs> yeah, Zahn dra- dra- was being the drama queen. Like. <laughs> yeah, no. I must have Carolina style Kitva or I shall perish. <laughs> Barbecue sauce on the side. <laughs> All right, Damn. so. Yeah. yeah. She gives me a Woody. She gives you the willies. Willies and woodies? Willies and woodies. Yeah. I think my woody goes to the f- John's fight scene with the beast. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, I love that. This was like, yeah, how he just like did a little bit of cleverness and then just like running around and jumping and dodging and beating up. He got he got beat around a little bit. And then he yeah. finally managed to uh, crush the critter in the door. Yeah, that was so cool. Impaled. Yeah, that was fantastic. Oh, Woody, Woody, Woody. Oh, I liked Altana. You better shut it before something you won't like flies in. I mean, even though she had the, like, the spotlight of death yes. aimed at her, but also went like she's sort of local tradeswoman. She was talking about how much she's going to miss the excitement of always being on edge. Yeah, always having to look back over your shoulder when you're like doing your mining work. Uh, yeah. And uh, even though like the promise of enough wealth for 10 lifetimes. Was she ever going to be happy? We'll unfortunately never know. No. Apparently they had a huge crew because uh, when Chiana's hanging out with Altana, she talks about, oh, and uh, and, and and how's she doing? Oh, uh, well, she bought it. She got an ashen pustule. Right. She lost both her arms and half her face. This other one. Uh, but uh, by the one, oh, they hit it big and they left uh, shortly after you left. Yeah, what about them? Oh, she fell in love. Got some kids now, I think. Something like that. Like, yeah. what a- <laughs> I mean, that's how it goes in a place like that, I suppose. Right. Like, when you're not working, you've got nothing to do there. Like they don't seem to have Saturday night dances or movie nights there. So yeah, it's like you just kind of have to like hang out with the crew and see what goes on. So Willie's Willie 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 really all over. Right? It is. It's, it's, it's all B-Sog. It is. I mean, like, his B-Sog. Such a great sleaze. Either how he's just like being, uh, yeah, controlling and sleazing both towards the miners and towards the crew, but also the. The acid attack death scene on him, that was kind of like, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is one of those weird situations where our Willie is also a huge compliment to the production because I it suppose, was so yeah. well no. done. Actually, oh, oh, I've got a lot of contenders for the Woody. Like, there's the, right. the great CGI shots of the Budong. Yes. And there's also the whole, like, Black Rock City set of the mining camp where you've got this, this like, yurt made out of metal scales and... Uh, With uh, camo netting. Yep, once again, uh, camo netting. Yeah. There's lots of people running around apparently doing things like turning wheels that I don't think need turning. It's a mining colony. Wheels always need to be turned. It's, I don't know. They Big probably... wheel keep on turning. Yeah. And that's the story so far, Scape. Join us uh, next week for episode 208, Dream a Little Dream. Yes. In which therapy sessions turn into a few good moyens as the crew encounters the scariest planet, a world of lawyers. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Looking forward to it? That sounds absolutely fantastic. I bet Rigel is going to be... Oh, hold on, hold on. Before the music starts, are, yeah. are you going to bet? You've right. got points. I'll give 10 points on Rigel, the lawyering's up. Let's see how it goes. You can find us at SoFarscape on Twitter and uh, and Facebook. And again, on our Twitter profile, there's a link to the uh, uh, the little form where you can submit your synopses for future episodes. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so Farscape, Farscape, so good. good.